The book I'm currently reading is They Are Already Here, UFO Culture and Why We See Saucers. Um, there was another book that came out a couple years ago. It was called American Cosmic, which I thought was the better book. But this one is good, too. Um, it hasn't changed my mind about them, though, because, first of all, I've never seen them. And I was always wonder how it is that they have the technology to uh, traverse the galaxy or even intergalactic space. The thought that just came to me is that they're probes, basically. So they uh, have these civilizations. Other civilizations have figured out how to create a probe or a drone that goes through the galaxy and it looks for oxygen levels or it's detecting certain things in certain planets and then it just makes a beeline for those particular planets and then they land there and that they, they gather information, maybe they're taking photographs or whatever. But the other thing is that if these other civilizations are say a thousand light years away, um, maybe they don't even exist anymore. So if the probes were to send data back to them, and how would they send the data back? It would take such a long time. And by the time the data got back to them, there would be no one to look at the data. So when you consider these things, is that you consider just the, the vastness of, of the universe, it, it just doesn't seem plausible to me. Uh, what does seem kind of plausible is like what I talked about before is this, the spiritual dimensions. They're able to change the, their matter and you know, go into ethereal beings and traverse that way rather than in these metal crafts. It's just, I don't understand why is it always uh, a saucer or a cigar shape? Uh, why would that be uh, the, the shape that they would choose and what is it about the, those shapes that makes it better for traversing the galaxy? It's those things that I, I haven't figured out yet, and I just can't get on board with this. Once a UFO becomes an identified flying object, and that have made perhaps millions of people said that they saw it, but you didn't see it. So you're just relying on things that they said, and maybe there's some images that are going around on the internet or on social media. But how do you know the source of that? It could have just been, it's just constructed in Photoshop and then uploaded to the blockchain. Uh, and then it's, uh, perhaps it would have some veracity then. You could say um, this is verifiable because it's it's on the blockchain. Uh, but it, it could just have been concocted. Um, and then it proliferates. People are making copies of it, and it's fungible at that point. So fungibility, in that case, is a way to make it more voracious, is to make it more uh, believable, is that if we see millions of this image or different angles of it or whatever, there has to be a collective understanding that this is the truth, and we know that this has been a visitation. It's now a fact. But even then, it's still not a fact. And there will be people that would not believe it. Probably me as well. Because I'd be thinking along the same lines. Is that, well, how is it that they metallurgically 
create this craft and how can they uh, travel through light years of space? And is there civilization even there anymore if it's, you know, thousands of light years away? Uh, those questions would still need to be answered. The fact that we're seeing is not believing. There's a section in this book that, that talks about um, trust in science. Is that the, the regular person, the regular guy, you know, values science but doesn't com completely believe it. They believe in, in the collective, uh, that there's something being hidden and we all understand that there's something being hidden, that uh, there's this force that's, that's trying to take away our freedom of information. It's like you, if you send a Freedom of Information Act request for information, your feeling is that, well, they're probably not going to give me everything. They're probably going to hide something. And why is it that they're hiding? They're, they're obfuscating the truth and it's intentionally obfuscated. So this mass belief thing is becomes more plausible because some, somebody's hiding, hiding it. Uh, it's there and we see it now, but you're hiding it and we're not exactly sure what you're hiding, but we're going to find out. And that's the uh, feeling behind government as well. So there's an interesting uh, correlation between people that believe in UFOs and their political views, needless to say. Uh, again, this is something that's not new and has been studied for a long time. So it begs the question, why am I even reading this book? Because I understand all these things. And it sometimes it's good to reread things like this because it reminds you of the dynamics that are involved. It's also kind of an interesting thought that even people that believe in UFOs and have actually seen them might actually become bored with the subject is because like it was saying in the book, there's these these spikes when people start to be interested in it when they start to see things all at once. Uh, and then there's periods where there's nothing happening and people just have to go about their business. Um, uh, it's just like with me, I mean, I have passions about things. I mean, I'm certainly passionate about passionate about music and passionate about art, but I'm not doing it all the time. Uh, I can't do it all the time, even though it's probably necessary to do it all the time. Uh, but people just might just become just indifferent to it. I mean, if they were always there and flying through, you'd see them like, you know, in Chicago, there's the air show in, in, uh, in late August. And then that Thursday and Friday before you start seeing all these planes and you hear them. Um, but you expect it because, you know, it's that time of year. And maybe there's seasons for UFOs as well. That's actually an interesting thing because, you know, you, you travel anywhere in the, in, the, um, in the galaxy, you'd have to have some kind of a plan. You have to understand this, the underlying systems within them so that you could work with gravity, for example. So there are seasons to those kinds of things too. But I just think it would be kind of funny to maybe even write a story about, you know, just the whole banality and the, the, the boring nature of seeing UFOs all the time.
Belief is essentially a collective knowing. So take, for example, if the earth wasn't so populated and we still lived in nature and we lived off the land and we were immersed in nature. So take, for example, um, everybody probably or maybe taking psychedelics. So they would maybe have mushrooms in their diet every day. And so they'd be constantly tripping through life. <laughs> there'd, be an, there'd be a different view of the universe. Uh, and they'd see these things in the sky and there'd be a collective belief of it. That's the way the world would work. Um, so now take for example, if more people on the earth now started to, to take psychedelics, uh, how would it change belief, our collective beliefs in things like UFOs? It could be a factor now because maybe some people are taking them. Uh, it's starting to be more accepted. I think the first step in this evolution of uh, medicinal uses of uh, psychedelics, uh, like pot, you know, pot is is been decriminalized and is now just a part of life now. It's just accepted like just drinking a cup of coffee. Uh, so the more that more people get into these kinds of things, the next step, the gateway drug is actually uh, CBD and, you know, marijuana derivatives and smoking pot. So the next thing for civilization might be these psychedelics. And uh, so it'll give us a different worldview. Um, one of the benefits from what I've read of taking psychedelics is is that it takes people out of their amygdala and makes them less fearful. And I think that's a positive aspect because it could solve a lot of the quote-unquote mental illness problems that we're having now. It's just that people are just fearful. Uh, and so if we get people collectively out of that part of the mind, um, it could change society dramatically, I think. But how it affects beliefs, I don't know. That would be an interesting experiment on a, on a very large scale. It's studied now in just smaller groups, but how does that scale out to the entire civilization? So it's, it's an interesting thing. So I haven't finished this book, but I, I think it would be interesting to have a chapter in there on how civilizations in the past uh, had these kinds of group visions, uh, uh, vision quests, uh, it, which involved things that they saw in the sky, these visitations. It's probably a human universal. So I think that would be a, an interesting chapter and maybe even a, another book on that as well.